2: Proud to announce from Zurich,
0: Men's League, Switzerland, U.S. Program, Austin Matthew. In the penalty box, Nealander gets an extra shift. he Nealanders, he scores. The coach played a and the kid has
2: his first National Hockey League goal.
3: What's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us on the Tip of the Tower of Maple Leafs Podcast. We're recording this on a Wednesday night after the Maple Leafs absolutely destroyed the Detroit Web Wings for nothing. I'm sure we're all proud about that, all happy. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about what's changed in Nazem Kadri's game, the improvement on special teams, trade ideas for D, since everybody seems to be talking about that, Ontario players possibly joining you know, the Leafs in the future, something Mike Babcock alluded to earlier this week, and then Jake has an interesting idea that he heard on Overdrive about reseeding the playoffs, so we're going to get into that as well. Joining me as always is Jake Middleton and Dave Morissuti. Guys, what's going on? How you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm not too bad. I mean, I can't complain after four nothing victory. Dave, how you doing? I know you're swapping in schoolwork.
4: Oh, I mean, when you have Shy DVD as your professor, I, you know, you're going to be in tough. But man, oh man, he may have transcribe a 25 minute interview. So if that's not going to prepare you for the journalism world, I don't know what will.
3: <laughs> well, let's talk about tonight's game and then we'll get a bit into that. Take your mind off of schoolwork. Um, what more is there really to say? Four nothing. Back-to-back shutouts now, dating back to last season in Louis Arena. The Leafs have pretty much owned the wings recently, and it's nice to see, right? They scored a goal. Each goal was scored uh,
4: from each line tonight. I mean, that just tells you how much of a role the Leafs have been on. I know the two games that they lost to the Rangers and Ottawa kind of got people a little little worried, but I think they pretty much silenced everybody with two straight shutouts, which was very nice. No, it it just looked like Detroit would... Well, I mean, they also played against Boston the night before. They were just not ready, unprepared. They were outmatched the whole night. It was it was a no contest, in my opinion.
3: Okay, Jake, let me ask you this about the Leafs' road success, because they're 9-0-2 in their last 11 games. Um, their penalty kill has been amazing. They've killed off 33 of their last 35 penalties. What's the key to their success on the road? Is it the penalty kill, or is it just they just seem to play better?
2: I don't know. I mean, outside of their just... Yeah, as you said, they're just completely bonkers special teams, which has really buoyed them to success on the road. I mean, it was it's really different uh, between the way they started because if you remember, they were just terrible on the road and they were good at home, and now they're not so good at home and they're amazing on the road. I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but maybe it is something where you know they don't have to be there with the pressure or something. I'm not really sure, but you never really know. Dave, you have any ideas why they've been so good on the road? Uh,
4: I, I mean, Matthews is probably their best player on the road. Uh, he's always – I find the heat – well, the stats show that he's a better player on the road. I think that probably has to do with it. Um, Anderson is much better on the road too, I've noticed. Uh, he's he's had some real tough tough games at, at home with the ACC. Uh, so maybe there's something to that. But I don't think there's one thing that could that – could say definitely why definitively why they're better on the road i just think there's different things are working their favor on certain nights i think for the most part it's probably matthews and anderson playing better on the road than they do at home
3: well another guy who's played really well too at least recently and on the road a bit is nazem kadri the guys have a total 360 from what he did last season um i mean the puck's obviously going the net a lot more you don't see him well, he took two, over two hundred shots last season. Six percent shooting percentage. It was just he just seemed really unlucky. And this year, everything he throws to the net on the power play goes in the net. It's crazy. What's been the difference in his game?
2: Oh,
3: um,
4: I don't know. For me, okay. Well, the, obviously he's getting. I, I don't know if he, if it, the, if his shots are just lining in better spots because we talked about in the past where he was just not putting his shots in the right places and they, were, they seemed pretty easy to stop and he didn't really have much confidence when he was shooting with the puck. He definitely has a lot more confidence shooting the puck now. Uh, I don't know. I think he's just – he's benefiting with having Leo Komarov on his line. I think that's helped him with the defensive game. And, I, I, yeah, he's just a way more confident player now. I think he realizes that he's carved out a certain role for himself,
3: and that's allowed him to uh, to be the player he is right now. Jake, do you notice any differences? I know off the air we talked about the power play. I think that's been – one area that's changed tremendously, especially the way the Leafs use them last year. They would use them on the half board this year. They kind of let them free roam in the middle of the ice and paying dividends.
2: Yeah. I think it's just has to do with how lethal their power play has been. I mean, he's got 10 power play goals. I think he's second in the league in power play goals, which is just an incredible stat.
3: He's tied with Crosby
2: uh, now, actually. For yeah. I, I mean, it's also advantageous that his, his shot percentage has actually gone up, you know, towards the norm a little bit because last year was just completely uh, uh, a blip off the radar because it was something absurd. Wasn't it like 5% or something? It was like 6-point-something. It was crazy. Which is which is terrible. His, his normal average is around 11 or 12. I think that's the average for an NHL player. And also, he's just been getting – he's being put in positions to succeed. I mean, he's not the number one line, so he's not going to get the top defensive pairing. Yeah, Although he is against the top offensive lines on the other team, he's probably not against – they're probably not the best defensively, so they kind of get caught off guard based on how offensively successful he's been. And, I mean, I, I think it just kind of chalks up to that, you know, usage and matchups. It, it's just been really big for him. Well, out of all of us here, you played the most hockey, obviously. Um, On the power play,
3: the Leafs are starting to use a diamond and obviously with Kadri roaming around the middle, it's it's helped him a lot. Is there anything like you could provide insight in towards on that, like how that would make a difference on the power play? It's something that I've noticed a lot with him because when he was on the half board last year, a lot of the shots he were taking were just bad angles, you know, not high percentage. And this year, it seems like everything he takes is from the slot or in front of the net.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're on a power play, obviously there's it's kind of what they call like the home plate, which is within the slot, and I believe it's 15 feet uh, corresponding area in front of the net. And it's basically where all the main scoring chances are. And the Leafs actually, I don't know if they won like a hybrid umbrella or something like that, but they play with four forwards, which is typical for an umbrella. And you always, usually have four four uh, forwards because they're better at handling the puck. And it's really helped him that he's had William Nylander, who is, in my opinion, the one of the best stick handlers in the league right now. I mean, he's like Patrick Kane in that he can hold on to the puck and it's hard to take off the puck from him when you're not one-on-one and you're kind of just stick-checking him and that's really helped it and also the fact that, you know, they have JBR in front of the net so he's occupying already one player and he's just so lethal in front of the net that it kind of gives him the time and space to get those shots off from really good spaces. I mean, the big thing with, the umbrellas you get spacing in the middle because you're gonna generally have penalty killers up towards the points, and they're guarding on the points, and you have two guys on the sides. It's like a, it's like an umbrella, like when you bring it, it goes from the top and then it angles down, and you have one guy in front of the net, and it's just been really good for Naz. I mean, you have a guy on on the half wall, you have both guys Naz and Matthews on the half wall, and you can have one guy. Obviously he gets the puck on the half wall so that through the slot pass is wide open and that's what they's been killer for them. I mean that through the slot pass. you have Matthews who's obviously drawing a guy so you have the two points covered and you have Matthews and the guy in front it just leaves him wide open to get in empty spaces and just get off a really good scoring chance. It's been it's been really good to see and, and the way they move the puck has just been incredible too. So that is really underrated for them. And I don't know who's who runs the power play for the Leafs, but they've definitely put their talent to good use because it's clicking, I think, about a quarter, quarter of the time they score a goal. It's just shy of a quarter, yeah. So the other thing, too, with Kadri on the power play is his shooting percentage is
3: off the charts right now. I'd have to look it up, but it's really high, which he probably won't sustain. But based on what you're saying, though, with these open slot shots that he's getting, maybe he could sustain it.
2: I mean, that's the thing. When you're taking shots, obviously, if you have a clean look, you're more than likely going to score. I'd say on a clean shot, you got maybe a 20% chance to score. You're 2 out of 10 on a wide-open shot, maybe 3 if you're a good shooter. It also adds up to the fact that he's just straight-up improved his shot. I mean, what they were saying last year is that he wanted to really work on his shot, and I think that's something that he put a lot of effort into doing over the summer. And it just looks like it's paid off because – yeah, he scored some some lucky goals, but he scored some really nice goals too. So uh, I think it's I think it's just a bit of, you know, situations for him, uh, his usage with all the great players he's been playing with, and also just his improvement. He's really improved for this team, and, you know, his hard work has, has showed off for the Leafs thus far. Obviously
3: another area he's improved defensively. You know, he's been lights out this year. Um, a lot of talk of him possibly being in the Selkie Trophy nominee, uh, I don't know how much we're going to put into that, but would you guys not agree that he's benefited a lot because the Leafs can roll three lines now, and you kind of have to pick your poison as an opposition, like okay, do we deploy, deploy our top pairing against the Matthews line, the Bozak line, or Kadri's line? Like, How much do you guys think that's helped him this year?
4: I think that's helped him the most. Uh, I, I think now that yeah, the Leafs are running three lines consistently, and two of them are very lethal offensively, has given Kadri kind of less work to do offensively and let him focus more on the defensive role. I just think he's just more motivated to prove people that he could be. Like he he's setting himself the goal to be a Selkie Trophy nominee as I'm not sure if he's there yet. Uh I think, you know, he does do well defensively, but I don't think he is there at the Leafs. Like he's not playing on the penalty kill. He's not putting all the defensive situations, so I think there's I think he still has a little bit more room to grow there, but I think he's taken upon himself to realize that we've got guys like Matthews, Nylander, Marner that are going to be the offensive leaders. He doesn't have to be, so let him do the things that maybe the younger guys are not as – they're not ready for or not as prepared for to do, especially at the NHL level. He's got the most experience between him and – I mean, Bozak has the most experience, but between him – Matthews, Neal, or Marner—he has the most experience. He should be the one playing in that defensive situation. So I think—I just think it's a motivation thing. It's also him trying to take that leadership role and doing those dirty things, and maybe teaching, them being a little bit more of a role model for the uh, for the younger guys as well.
1: Yeah, you know I mean,
2: I, yeah, I mean, actually, a really underrated thing for him would just be—he he doesn't really have to prove anything anymore. I mean, I think. With the contract the Leafs gave him, and, and they really put their faith in him to just be a role player and and not be the superstar. I mean, last year he was obviously their best player offensively. He was their superstar, and he kind of bared that on his shoulders. But now like, he knows his salary. He's getting paid $4.5 million for the next six years. He's kind of slotted into that, that you know high-end two, low-end three role, so he doesn't have to worry about getting a new contract. He's not playing for a contract. Because last year kind of looked like he was pressing a lot and just throwing stuff at the net and hoping it would go in. So you know that also skewed his numbers because not all his shots were great shots. And I mean, just he's 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 just been promoted into a, a leadership role. I mean, they did a video on it on TSN, and he just uh, all the younger guys were saying, uh, you know, he's in that leadership role now, and he's been really good for the young guys. Obviously, they had a story about his. Uh, His little cat that he adopted. Yeah, Uh, what's her name? Jazzy, I believe it is Jazzy. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to follow it on IG. Yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, and I think he's. It's just he's embraced his role and he's embraced the coaching that uh, Babcock's given him, and it's really helped. They've been very mutually beneficial to each other. And although I don't really think his candidacy for the Selkie this year is legit, I think moving forward it definitely is because it's kind of one of those like those clubs where the same five guys are gonna be in the mix for it no matter what they do because it's not really something you you watch day in and day out you're not saying oh who has the most takeaways or something and I mean that's an added bonus for those those fancy stats as they analyze takeaways and you know usage based on who's playing against top lines and stuff like that but I think he'll definitely get some votes but I don't know if he'll be a top three finisher for the award maybe in the top ten though yeah, I think he will definitely be in the top 10 based on everybody
3: that I'm looking at right now on this list. Um, like you were saying, it's pretty much the same five guys that are in there. Let's change gears a bit, and something we talked about off the air too was obviously special teams as a whole. The penalty kill has been tremendous. What's changed there? I know you shared light, you shed some light on the, uh, the power play, Jake, but what's changed on the penalty kill?
2: Uh, they just have really youthful players that are extremely aggressive, and they never stop working. I mean... Having guys that not only have the skill to play on your power play, like Connor Brown, but they can also really skate, are is extremely useful. I mean, the idea that you're going to have guys that play on the first line of your penalty kills, it's never true. You don't want those guys to get injured. I mean, I think the Leafs are in a unique situation where they have a guy that plays on their first line, but he's not a first liner. And he's kind of accepted that this is his way of getting... A lot more ice time, and it's by playing on on the penalty kill. And those guys are just wreaking havoc. They're all over the points, so you have to either have really good puck movement, which fairly few teams have outside of the elite ones. So they just ha- they force you to make really quick decisions at all times, and they've been really good. And it also helps that that Frederick Anderson has has been incredible. He's been their best penalty killer by far. You know, he's made a, a lot of really good saves and he's been the wall back there for them. So that that definitely helps.
3: Dave, you notice any differences?
2: Well, I think just
4: to piggyback off of what Jake said, I mean, Zach Hyman and Connor Brown have basically been the best penalty killers. I I think they're I think they've been the best penalty killers on the because they are out there all the time. But I mean Anderson I mean without Anderson this team is probably not in the position they're in, so that goes without those saying. I mean, just to see how many times Zach Hyman is breaking out onto a near shorthanded breakaway. Uh, how, like he, you know, he's had a couple, you know, gone stretches where he's had a couple uh, short, you know, some shorthanded goals or shorthanded points. I mean, teams teams are are trying to, I guess, maybe catch them and catch them, maybe get them to play over aggressive, and maybe that works in their favor. But they're just wait, they they outsmart the other team on the penalty kill. I've never seen it like this before. Uh, and it's also impressive that not only are they playing this way on the penalty kill, but they're also playing with a number one overall draft pick and Austin Matthews on the same. Like, I don't know how they're doing it with their like, conditioning wise, like the amount of effort they put. I I, I it's it's incredible. I mean, it's that, that's what's gonna end up being the difference eventually if, when they make it to the playoffs and become contenders is having that type of effort in the playoffs. But now you're seeing it now. I think you can have a little more faith that this can continue. Um, obviously maybe Matt Hunwick and Roman Polak not should sure, not with <laughs> that goes without saying, I mean their playoff even strength is not exactly as the analytics community would say is that has not been great, but on the Pelican they've been doing enough in support of Hyman and Brown. Um, and then, you have know, got Leo Komarov who's also been a, a big key to that as well. So, I just think that Backhawk is not gonna have them hold hold back on their skill and their effort and they're they're being rewarded for it.
3: So with the three penalty killers on D usually being Roman Polak, Mart Morinson, and Matt Hunwick, leads us to a nice little segue where can the Leafs acquire a D that can help improve from there? Since obviously we've talked about this at length about how acquiring a number one defenseman that's young and you know what everybody's after is gonna be ridiculously expensive. Is there somebody cheaper that they could go out and get that could maybe help out in this area?
4: Oh, um, I don't just cause I don't think teams are giving up that player unless the, the team is trying to make a move that will potentially benefit them going forward or in the future. I mean, the least obvious, obvious strength is their depth at forward, especially on the wing. I don't know if that's even going to be enough to get them a defenseman. And then you go look at the draft. They definitely have the draft picks and the assets there to acquire some. But I don't think the organization wants to make that type of move. I think they'd rather try to get that guy in-house, develop him, and hope that he comes up sooner rather than later. I think they're looking at a guy like Travis Dermott or Andrew Nielsen that could possibly do that, although I still think they're a little ways away. Before they get to the NHL level, obviously there's been the Kevin Shattenkirk rumors. I've talked about the trio of prospects that the Anaheim Ducks have, but I don't know what Anah- Anaheim is willing to trade them. It, now. it
2: just it just seems like it's going to be an off season move for me. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I think there's one defenseman that will have an impact. That's gonna that would get moved at the trade deadline and it's Shattenkirk, and I, unless he signs an extension but still i don't know i don't feel really great about giving up a lot of assets for a guy that's 27 and you know he has to resign with you now so he'll get maybe eight year deal instead of seven it's just something i wouldn't i wouldn't try and go after i think the leafs are playing with house money right now so they don't have to go out and make a deal but i know their fans are clamoring for it but you know they said this is going to be a process and you know i i I don't think that they would ever do that.
4: Yeah, and I think I think the expansion draft will also impact whatever moves are made. I mean, the Leafs, when, when you look at their decor, I think there's only, you could say protecting Raleigh and Gardner of the two, and then you would have that potential third spot and say, okay, maybe we'll go out and acquire a player that another team like Anaheim has to possibly get rid of or... You look at a team like Minnesota. Um, L.A.'s got some guys that they may want to move, and the, the, that's that's. I think the expansion draft will be the time where you'll probably see a deal going into the draft or going just before the draft. That's where you're going to see a move being made. Not not in house, not during the season.
3: Well, you guys are both talking about how the Leafs have house money, and you know it's going to be difficult to acquire these guys. Do they not kind of have that young right-handed defenseman already in Nikita Zaitsev? Do you guys think he could eventually become the number one guy
2: they're looking for or is he just always going to be a number No, oh, he he already it's not the thing is they're not really looking for number ones i don't think it matters when you have four bona fide top four defensemen which they would have if they acquired any top four defenseman on the right side i think he can play top line i mean right now he's a bona fide top four defenseman and <laughs> they got to start figuring out what they're going to pay him because he's going to get paid a lot by somebody. Right. He's been and, a stud with Riley out, man. Oh, he's been so he's been so underrated on how good he's been. I, I I mean I wrote about it last year when he came that I thought he'd be a thirty-five point player, and hey, it looks pretty good right now, huh? He might eclipse that. My, he might. I mean I think he's got twenty-two or something like that right now. Uh, He's he has really been their best signing thus far. I think outside of winning the draft lottery, he's probably been the best addition to this team outside of maybe him and Mitch Marner and Matthews are in that category. He's been so underrated. And I can't imagine where they would be if they didn't have him because he's been showing up about 22 minutes a night playing playing as an elite top four defenseman. So. I don't. I don't really think they have to go out and get that, you know, bona fide legit number one. But if you have uh, depth throughout your top four, that's that's enough for me. Like look at look at Chicago. They have obviously that elite number one and that bona fide number two and number three. But they have kind of a revol- revolving door at four. You kind of just want to have two lines that you trust and you can play that, and that can last you throughout a playoffs. Yeah. Even LA was doing that too for a bit. Every team is. I mean, this idea yeah. that you're going to have a six defensemen that you trust is just it doesn't exist. You got to have at least 3 or 4 though. Well, Either so, three it, really good ones or or four four that are sorry, three, one elite guy and two very good ones or four really good ones. It's almost impossible to have six good defensemen in this cap era too. I mean, cuz they cost minimum 4 million dollars each.
3: Look at look at Minnesota, right? Like they're cap strapped for the next, god, a while, just because they paid so many guys, and now they're gonna have a tough time making any. They're gonna have to, to pay a to lot happen.
2: too. Yeah, I think that's a team that the Leafs should them and Anaheim are the two teams I would go after in a deal because they just they can't hold on to all these guys, especially with an expansion draft coming up and. I know the cap's going up by a little bit, but I don't know how much over the next couple of years until that US T V deal kicks in, but we'll see. Those are yeah. who I would target, but it just doesn't make sense for them right now or the Leafs. Because I think the price is it's not it's a, it's a sale, it's a seller's market right now. It is. It doesn't help that
3: there's so much parity, so everybody's kind of a buyer. Nobody's gonna yeah. really separate themselves aside exactly. the from Colorado, right? That's kinda of hurting
0: yeah. the market. Too.
2: Colorado and Arizona. Yeah. I mean, I saw I saw an article on Bleacher Report talking about Martin Hansel potentially getting a first round pick for him. I'm like Come what? On, it makes no sense to me. I wouldn't give that up in a hundred years. But that's what it is right now. That's the trade market. It's, the prices are so high. Same with Colorado, and they can be because they have nothing but time. They got over a month.
3: I don't know about that. But like you're just saying, that's probably what he'll get right now. So how much do you think the trade market will change between now and March 1st? How much do you guys think it
2: will change at all? Or I, will think it? It will, I think it will eliminate at least three or four more teams. Teams that I think will drop out. I, I don't know. I look at Tampa Bay and I just think they're done. People are, are saying like, hey, they'll come back. Unless they can get some significant bodies back, they look terrible. I know they beat they somehow beat the Blackhawks, but they just they're they're lo- missing a lot of players and they just look really bad right now. I think another team that could be eliminated is, is Winnipeg. I mean, they've played a lot of games and
4: their goaltending is not know,
2: that good. It's been atrocious. So yeah,
4: if, I'm, if I'm, fast
2: I'm, I'm hearing yeah, and Calgary I too. Is I, I think I think Boston's in it for the long haul no matter what. They think- just have this this illusion that they're still contenders and they're not. They got the Vancouver uh, problem. Yeah, and, and Calgary other, is another other, team too. Yeah, Calgary. I think Calgary, they could be sellers. I think, you know, another team that could be sellers is the Devils. Maybe well, what about the Dallas Stars? Yeah, Detroit. That's another team. There's oh. So you got, like, five or six right there.
4: I think Detroit's okay. going to wait a
2: little bit longer before they officially give up. Because I think – I think usually before up. a trade deadline, maybe six teams are done. Yeah. They're out.
4: Yeah. Well, that's true. I I just don't know what the the issue there is. Yeah, like a team like Detroit, you know, Ken Holland spoke before the game tonight saying they're gonna wait until I think the end of near the end of the month before they decide something or like that. A lot of these trades now have been happening way before the deadline even happens. So.
2: A few, a couple of days before, but
4: or even a week before. I mean, the Leafs always always made their deals a two weeks before the deadline, much to the chagrin of the trade center uh, or trade central, whoever those those shows. So it's it's not like what it used to be in the past, and a lot of teams just don't want to give up future assets with the way the development has changed, the way the value of draft picks, the changed. value
2: per picks, yeah, exactly. I mean, look at look at San Jose. They gave us two second round picks for Polak
4: and Nick Balling, who now
2: is playing and Nick Balling. Oh yeah, Nick Balling. <laughs> come on. <laughs> but geez, that's the seller's market out there, and I, I feel like you're going to have to pay through the teeth, and it's just not it's just not a market I would want to do because I think there are some desperate teams, just to name a few, that need to make a move, and for me, it's it's Anaheim. Montreal it's LA the Rangers Montreal I mean there's wow. just teams that they they got to go for it or else they, there's no real future for them past that Washington too Yeah,
3: well, I think Washington is just gonna go all in like you're saying though right like this is the time for them to go all in
2: yeah I, I don't know how much better they can get though I mean they look absolutely dominant right now
4: yeah we've said that many times about them in the
2: regular season and in the playoffs well, I mean, last year wasn't fair. They ran into a complete juggernaut.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, you say it's not fair, but
2: at the same time, it, they they got to be ready for it, too. I, I know. I, it was. They lost, I believe, four of those games went into overtime, yeah. or three or four, or three games, I believe, and Pittsburgh won all three of them. So if they win one of those games, completely change the series. I mean, I'm not going to bat for them or anything like that, but, you know... You can just hope that hopefully they don't finish second and they play Pittsburgh in the first round because for them for them their best hope is they they obviously win their division and they play and then won. they play a wild card team and then they play either the winner of what would be right now the Ottawa or or Toronto series.
3: Yeah. You know, last year too, the thing with Pittsburgh is they were they weren't very good throughout the season, but they got red hot the fast the last few weeks before it ended and just carried over like you guys are saying there's a lot of lucky bounces. The HBK Maybe Washington line. could have that luck this year, you know. Yeah, they need an HBK line,
2: that's what they need.
3: <laughs>
2: they they have 3 of those. They I mean, it's not even like they're beating teams. They're they're just destroying teams. I mean, wasn't it wasn't an 8-1 against Carolina or something like that. 7-1, yeah. I mean, there's they're score they're plus 51 goal differential, plus 51 without John Carlson too for the last yeah, three or four games. So they're pretty good, and they have they have prospect depth up the wazoo that they can call up. Guys like Jacob Verona. Uh, what's the what's the the defenseman that was on Team Canada that they had, which uh, oh, played for Kelowna, I believe.
3: Oh me, uh, play, the black kid. For,
2: oh. Yeah, I know you're
3: talking about. that to look. Oh man,
2: well, or, yeah, you're the defenseman they can call up.
3: They got Samson off, too,
2: as like another goalie. That's a piece that they could deal too. I yep. wouldn't. He looks like the best goaltending prospect in hockey, but I mean, they have a lot of Riley Barber. They have a lot yeah, of pieces. Too, yeah,
3: there's a lot of good players there. So, speaking of good players, obviously, there's a lot of free agents coming up in the next few years. Mike Babcock has mentioned that you know he's hoping the way the Leafs are playing now will uh, be intriguing for Ontario-born players to possibly come home and you know live out every Ontario kid's dream of playing for the Leafs. I'm going to run through a few names here and you guys tell me what the chances are of them possibly joining the Leafs. Because a few guys I think you know might be appealing. And we'll kind of go year by year here. So in 2017, we got Joe Thornton. Obviously this summer. You guys think there's any shot Jumbo Joe would want to leave the sunny life? Zero? Yeah, I thought... Zero.
4: He loves San Zero. Jose way too much.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I figured that too. Then the following year, we got the big one, obviously. I think this is the most interesting one. John Tavares.
4: I say there's a bigger chance he comes than Joe Thornton, but at the same time, he's very loyal to New York and he doesn't want. I don't think he wants that bad. Which I, I don't
2: get. I don't. either. I don't get
4: either. He like, that team has been a tire fire. They've done
2: nothing but screw him over every year. I, I'll. But still, I mean, that's a guy that he says he, you know, is loyal and is saying all the right things now. But if they're a dumpster fire this season and next season i don't know I, how do you not leave i don't know how you don't and that's the arena situation is terrible for them right now the ice is horrible i i'd put it at 20 percent one in
3: on oh, a little jerry's percentage yeah i like where this is going <laughs> <laughs> i th- I think i'd even put it higher man if they bomb again next season like you look at the prospects they have and everybody's talking about how this franchise was so promising you know guys like strome and on and on of like the and
2: Barzell, Hamanic, Trav, and like
3: so many guys that they hadn't met. Trav, Even, um,
2: uh, they haven't really had a lot of hits well, they the, just the prospects. Guys that have they, blown it, uh, obviously Dalcol, it looks like a bust right now. Yeah, uh, Hosang looks like a bust. I mean, he's just doing everything outside of that. Uh, Barzil looks like a good player. Outside of that, I mean, Bavillier is a good player. He, he played with them now. Um, you know, outside of that, there's really not much in there – in their system that, you know, gets you excited. Maybe that Ryan Pulak kid, a defenseman, but...
3: Maybe, like, look who's playing with Tavares right now. Anders Lee and Josh Bailey. Anders Lee, yeah, pretty good
2: that's, player, but
3: that's, that's... sad. I mean, they got Andrew Ladd, that Albatross deal now, and he's doing dick-all.
2: Dude, the they don't really have anything. He's terrible.
4: Long-term. They have so many guys, so many mediocre players signed to long-term deals. Like, I don't know how that... I don't know I how do uh, the The thing I job. just
2: hate is how they're... Everyone that works for them, they let them leave, and they sign worse players. Like, you could have kept Ocposo, and instead you let him leave. And That's then you sign paid... an Andrew Ladd, who's older.
3: Yeah, and they paid him only $2 million less, which made no sense to me. Uh, Even I... b- If they would have paid Ocposo and then brought back a guy like P.A. Parento on a cheap deal, I think that would have made more sense. But
4: They had P.A. Parento and they let him go.
2: I, I know. It, they they waived them. It doesn't down. make any sense to me.
4: Like it, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how this GM still has a job. I mean, it's the,
2: because I don't know. the The former ownership group was terrible. The new one's not much better. They don't really. They just don't really know what they're doing. They're kind of in limbo with this whole arena situation, which is still up in the air.
3: Yeah, they have no idea.
2: Their coaching is a joke right now. I mean, I like Doug Weight, but he's not a coach. The guy's never coached a game in his life. This is literally just on the fly move, and they're just hoping it works. Yeah, I mean, it has. They've won. I think they've won like five in a row or something. and they're, they're kind of back. Christ, in the hunt. Man. Yeah, Grice has been sensational recently, so they're they're back in the hunt. They're five back of the of the Flyers, and they got three games in hand. So you know, they're definitely not out of it, but it would be a stretch because there's really only one spot, and there's like. Seven teams in the mix right now. I'm pretty sure every team in the East is still alive. No, wait. Well, the wait. last position in this, the last place spot in the East, 54, and it's Philly. And, and then five to six 90. points is last place. Yeah, five in Detroit. That's crazy.
4: And they got to play against their division again. Like, yeah, maybe up. You kind of just
2: got to hope for not many, too, not too many three point games, and have some guys just break apart because, I mean, outside of the. The big boys in the Metro, uh, Washington, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and New York, there's, they're all pretty much the same junk. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, let's keep the list rolling because in two, 2019, there's actually some intriguing players coming up. Uh, pull up the list here. A couple guys like Tyler Seguin, and Drew Doughty. I think there's zero chance. Yeah, no. I think they'll both get re-upped. Uh, maybe Matt Duchesne or Logan Couture?
2: Yeah, Duchesne... I think he's getting dealt. There's no way he's staying there. I, I, I mean, I heard from a lot of people that a place that he might go is is Ottawa. You know they they've been asking for Thomas Shabbat or, or Colin White. That's what the Avalanche have been asking for. A team like Columbus, maybe Wash, uh, Washington. Sorry, Montreal, Nashville. I mean, Nashville potentially but they kind of don't really have much in the system right now that they could give up outside of their defensemen but I don't think they want to move any of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's intriguing. I don't know if he will go UFA with the Avalanche cuz it looks like they're not in a rebuild. They're in a full-on strip down mode right now. They have they have two pieces that I would build around long-term. That's that's worse than the Leafs were last year.
3: Yeah, they're in a really bad spot. After McKinnon and Barry, I mean, I think I've Varley locked up long term. I'm sure they're praying Vegas will take him in the expansion draft.
2: The only guys and that I see on the current roster that I would build around is um, McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon and the Ranton and the Finnish kid, and in They'd the system, Barry. Uh, maybe I, I mean, but you're... they always talk about how they hate him. I would, I mean, tri- yeah, just, that yeah. relationship doesn't make sense to me, and they can't yeah. draft. They haven't had any good picks outside of first or top five picks or
3: trades. And like they traded O'Reilly for
2: Grigorenko and Zadrov. Not nothing. That's horrible deal, and they didn't even have to. Yeah. So I I don't know what's going on. And there. their only prospect that is that I've even heard of is Tyson Jost. That kid's going to be a good player, but he's probably a year or two away. Yep. They're a complete mess. But I I just don't. How devastating would that be if he made it to UFA and just left? Uh, I don't see it happening. I think he's getting dealt away, him and probably Landeskog, but those are definitely guys down the road to think about.
3: So I get the vibe that we don't think many of these
2: guys will be coming to the Leafs. No, I just, just think... What... Just because it's in like such a terrible time range. Yeah. I mean, outside of uh, Tavares after next season, which makes sense. You know, three years down the road you're, you're going to be in the second deals for all the kids right now. So they're not, they're not going to have as much cap space as they do now. Mm-hmm. And unless they were talking about this today, maybe they bridge them. But I wouldn't take the risk of bridging it and having a P.K. Subban uh, situation go down where you could have got him at 7 for 8. Now he's 10 for 8. Yeah, that's a good point.
3: Well, I mean, we could just save all our money for 2022 and then, you know, Simon, so Jesus,
2: yeah. <laughs> that's like I, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath for. I'm not the Knicks waiting for. Yeah, for something that's not <laughs> probably not going to happen. Oh, I love how you said that. That brings a smile to my face.
3: Oh man. Okay, Jake. Off the air, you had an interesting idea about what you heard on Overdrive about reseeding the playoffs one to sixteen. You want to kind of pitch that idea right now?
2: Yeah, I was. Uh, they were talking about it, and then it really made me look at the standings and just the point discrepancies between divisions. I mean, you look at the Metropolitan right now and you know, the Central Two, they're kinda of, and there's some real top heavy teams, and it kinda of just sucks for them that you're gonna have to lose a really good team based on this stupid format where it takes out the one through eight and what they were talking about was just do by the whole league a one through sixteen. So right now it would be uh, Washington playing, number one overall seed, playing the number 16 seed, which is the St. Louis Blues. And, I mean, it was a really interesting idea for me because I think it would be really fun first and second round matchups. And you could even have some regional rivalries happen in a Stanley Cup final. Like, right now the Leafs would be matched up with the Montreal Canadiens.
3: Well, here, I got all the matchups written down right now if you want me to go through them. I mean, you got Washington, St. Louis, Columbus, Boston, Minnesota, Philly, Pittsburgh, Nashville, Montreal, Toronto, Chicago, Ottawa, San Jose, Edmonton, Anaheim, New York Rangers.
2: How awesome would those series yeah. be? I think the only one that would lack like serious intrigue would be Boston, Columbus, and oh. maybe Minnesota, Philly. Maybe because yeah. they would they'd probably be sweeps. Yeah. But, but that I mean, all, outside of that, it sounds pretty awesome. Definitely. Just like chucking out all the junk teams that shouldn't be in there. Like, ugh. Yeah. Like Calgary, how terrible do they look? I'm pretty sure they're in a wild card spot, right? No, I don't think so. Well, pretty I'm sure they are. Not. I didn't hear them on the list. Oh, you didn't? No, yeah. I'm, saying, I'm saying in the West they are.
3: Uh,
2: uh, let me check right now.
3: I think Vancouver's ahead of them, aren't they? Because they've had that recent slide.
2: Yeah, I think so. Jeez, how bad did they look last uh, last night?
3: And, and Ch- the night
2: before and the night Calgary. before. That. And the night before.
3: And the night before too. They've been getting
2: demolished.
4: For their for their coach to come on and say that the like it's pathetic?
2: Yeah, Calgary's in the second wild card. Jesus, are you kidding me? Yeah, with point hand points are obviously up on points, but the other teams have games in hand, but right <laughs> now they're they're in the playoffs.
4: I don't, I, I don't know how you fix what's going
2: on in Calgary. I mean, I, I don't know if they would score over five goals in a series against Washington. No. They might lose 7-0 every game.
3: <laughs> That's how bad they look. You know, this goes back to like, the whole football argument about teams that make the playoffs
2: with a 500 or worse record. It's kind of like the same thing, right? Where, like, uh, I, I don't like it. I mean, I'd be a big fan of this. It will never happen for travel reasons and and stuff like that, but it would be a really fun idea. For sure.
4: Yeah, but what we think is fun, the NHL doesn't, so. Exactly.
2: Damn.
3: I still can't believe Calgary's in the playoff spot. Yeah, Yeah, they are. are. Yeah, Uh, LA has three games in hand on them, so.
2: Yeah, same with uh, Vancouver, which I'm pretty sure they're beating Colorado, who I can't believe they just never – they just don't win games. Yeah, it's – I don't know. There's – They might be on a 10-game losing streak, and I'm not even kidding. Okay, sorry. They're 1-8-1. they lost 9-10. Yeah,
4: that's a little bit better than being on a 10-game losing streak. (laughs) Oh, is it really? (laughs) They just broke it up. Moral victories. Moral victories right there.
2: They have the number one seed for the draft lottery on the lot. And it's not even that. Well, 28 points. This might be one of the worst seasons of all time, Are and they they're sad. not even trying to tank.
4: They, they might they're, on they're, they're on pace. They're on pace for the
3: tie.
2: Yeah. The worst ever, which is probably Buffalo, right? No, I think it was no, that, Atlanta. No, yeah. Atlanta Thrashers
3: expansion year. Oh, my God. So, Kari Letton discovered fast food, and then it's Addiction be You know, that's where it started.
2: <laughs> that's, that's sad. That is sad.
3: Yeah. And for, for, for Looking an- at these standings, dude, like every team has a negative goal differential on the
2: wild card, except the Rangers. I know it's bad.
3: There's yeah,
2: like, everyone says it's like a ta- ever there's parody, but there's a definite discrepancy with regards to talent. <laughs> oh yeah, no. And Damn. Now we know why Patrick Wall left. He. Pff, everyone says it's a, it's a a, it's a terrible move or a dick move for him to jump ship. No way would I want my my whole um legacy tied to that ship. I mean. Joe Sackick is a great player, Hall of Fame player, no doubt unanimous. He is a horrible decision-maker for hockey. I don't know how he hasn't been canned already. Do they, honest question, outside of Rantanen and, uh, McKinnon, obviously, McKinnon, do they have one player that made it to the NHL? Because I'm pretty sure before... uh, before the, those guys, uh, the guys they picked high, like uh, Landis Cog and Duchesne, they don't have a single player drafted before them. And that's that's horrific. Maybe Tyson Berry. I'd have to look. I believe that was the only one, yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm trying to think who else man. I, mean, I know McGillan... they're trying with
3: Calvin Pickard. Oh. Like, I know they're trying with him. Dude.
4: And like a guy like Jerome McGillan, who has, I think, only six goals. Yeah, he wants to done. get out of there so bad.
3: I feel even a so- guy like Carl Soderberg, like this was an easy fifty-point depth player every year down the middle, and now he's gone to what? <laughs> Just, Nothing out there. Yeah,
2: they ha- They don't even have a hundred goals. Oh Dude, my They're horrifically bad. They don't. That's absurd. They don't even have a hundred goals. I didn't even think that was possible. They like we, we harp <laughs> that's how- almost two goals a game.
4: You talk about how, like, the Leafs and their whole tanking, or what we won't call it tanking, but, like, just that period where they weren't good. At least they that weren't was the this tank bad. Job. That
2: was a solid tank job. No, I think yeah.
3: this is. We had to fend off Edmonton, no, man. That wasn't easy.
2: Yeah, I know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was... But, like, they... They, they were not this bad. At least No. They were...
2: Oh, my no. god. Uh, actually, okay, to be fair to Colorado, the 2014-15 Leafs were this bad. The one with Horacek? With Horachek, yeah, they quit they on He Won like two out of twenty-five. That that might have been the worst hockey I've ever seen. If the Buffalo Sabers weren't playing that season, yeah, oh. <laughs> they, like yeah, I was definitely okay with with uh, the Saber with the Leafs losing last year, but I wouldn't go to a game and actively cheer for them to lose. When I saw them, their fans just celebrating like they won won a championship when the Arizona Coyotes won in overtime. That was the saddest thing I've ever seen.
4: No. It's it's given us a great, great, great reward, I'll say that.
2: And you know what would be the complete Colorado move? Is if they finish dead last and they pick fourth. Ooh, i love that. <laughs> that would be devastating. And
4: the Islanders get first overall pick. I was no, going to say,
2: no, 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 don't no, no. Give it to Las Vegas or some team. That yeah, can yeah. It. That'd be nice. Nolan Patrick in Las Vegas. Yeah. I, I think the kid for them is, is the Swiss, the Swiss kid. Someone that's going to really not just be an all around player is going to be a guy that you want to go and watch because <laughs> for, for five years, that's not a team you're going to want to watch. Well,
4: George McPhee, <laughs> he's got, you know, he drafted was he the one that drafted Ovechkin?
2: Yeah, he's a really, really huh. good t- talent evaluator. He's the one that's kind of built this whole Washington
3: farm system, to be quite honest.
2: Yeah. yeah, he is. He's done a great job, and I thought he was a terrific hire.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's got guys like Kuznetsov, John Carlson, Holpe, like Everything on Washington is homegrown from him. Yeah. So, I don't know. Before we get too off-topic, guys, I think this is probably a good sign that we're doing the podcast. Oh, definitely. All
4: right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this edition of the uh, Tip of the Tower Maple Leafs podcast. We'll be back again next week at the same time. If you like what you're hearing, you can follow us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can also like our Facebook page at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Kranitz. You can follow Dave on Twitter at D underscore morrisuti, And you can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeMiddleton12. And please guys, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud. Either or works for us. We appreciate the feedback, ratings, anything you feel like dropping us to give us a Ways we can improve or feedback, anything, we just appreciate it all. Um until next week guys, take care, enjoy the Leafs game, enjoy the all-star break, all that good stuff.
0: Take care. Toronto
4: was
2: uh
0: and he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done
4: catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks take a hike among the wildflowers just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees